I want you to go in your Bible real quick. I'm going to deliver what the Lord put in my heart. I've got a word for you. I'm not here to sermonize you this morning. This has been in my heart for several days. And uh, i got to speak to you what the Lord says. And believe me, we're going to get done quickly, okay? So don't anybody get nervous. But in the book of Zechariah, it's right next to the very last book of the Bible, the Old Testament. I want you to go to the book of Zechariah chapter 4. And I want you to hear the words of the prophet this morning. He said, now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the top of the, on the, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other is at the left. So I answered and I spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said unto me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Father, thank you for your word. Now I'm asking, Holy Ghost, as you put in me, you speak it through me. So I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said... I just got a word for you this morning. God's been asking me a question for the last couple of days. And I believe it's a question to ask to every person in this house. This is the word of the Lord. Do you trust me? You know, it's real easy to say, I believe in the Lord. It's real easy to say, I know the Lord. It's real easy to say, I'm following the Lord. But do you and I really trust God with what he's doing in this present moment? I don't know if you're like me. I was kind of taken about this past week. Listen, I'm not trying to be political. Don't want to go that route this week. You know, after everybody was saying, I believe everybody was expecting this great red wave uh, to sweep over our country on Tuesday, and that didn't happen at all. And then I had people begin to call me, Pastor, did the prophets miss it? You know, they've all been speaking, they've all been prophesying, declaring that God is going to turn this nation around and everything will be there. But right now, it doesn't look like, you know, we just changed a few seats and a few things happened. Maybe there was more that went on. But this is the moment that we've got to come to believe and trust the Lord that what He has established, what He said He would do, He's going to do. This message really has nothing to do with Tuesday as much as it has to do with you as an individual. Do you really trust the Lord? Now, in order to keep this all in perspective, this is one of my favorite passages to say, and I pray this a lot and declare it. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. This chapter, you have to understand where Zechariah falls in at. 
Zechariah's name means the Lord has remembered. The book next to Zechariah is the book of Haggai. Haggai means the feast of the Lord. These are two prophets that were in the time of the rebuilding of the temple after the captivity of Israel. The temple was torn down. Solomon had built this great, this great temple. And God sends two prophets to speak to the people. Haggai was encouraging the people to build, to get busy and get the temple built. For an opportunity had come. King Darius had come, I think, no, Cyrus had come on the scene and had opened the door and give a period of time for the temple to be reestablished and be rebuilt. The people come back, some 50,000 plus uh, Hebrews came back and began the work. But because of circumstances and because of things around them, they began to neglect the work of the temple. And for nearly 20 years now, maybe give or take a year or two, nothing is going on. And God appears to his prophet and he begins to speak to the people because the people are hurting. You've heard it read in the book of Haggai says something like this. Consider what you're doing. Consider your ways. You've been building... You've been busy building your own house while you're letting the things of my house begin to just lay dormant and begin to lay idle. And as a result of that, he said, it's affecting everything about your life. And then Zechariah's on the scene as well. Zechariah has a different picture. He's in the same boat encouraging the people, but he's encouraging the people like this. I, I love sometimes when, I'm, when I'm, I'm looking for a message, I read this little thing here. If you've got it in your Bible, sometimes it would, pay a, uh, it would pay you to go and read it because it gives a brief synopsis. Let me read something to you here real quick. It says, for a dozen years or more, the task of rebuilding the temple has been, has been half completed. Zechariah is commissioned by God to encourage the people in their unfinished responsibility. Rather than exhorting them to action with strong words of rebuke, Zechariah seeks to encourage them to action by reminding them, listen to this, by reminding them of the future importance of the temple. But the future, the, the temple must be built for one day Messiah's glory will inhabit it. But future blessing is contingent upon present obedience. The people are not merely building a building. They are building the future. With that as their motivation, they can enter into the building prop with a wholehearted zeal for Messiah is coming where we are right now and everything that God is doing, listen to me church is not about a moment of time it's not about a jump and a shout, a roll in the floor or a jumping the back of the pews but I believe God is establishing the future of his glory upon the earth for our children, for our grandchildren and for all of us to behold, to behold the glory of the Lord Isaiah prophesied the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God the earth may be seemingly filled with hell, but hang on for just a moment. The glory of the Lord is going to fill every square inch of the earth. And all men are going to see the greatness of God. So Zechariah is encouraging the people. 
Get back to building the temple. Get back to building the temple. Why is the temple so important? Three things that you and I need to understand about the temple. First of all, it's the meeting place with God. It's the place where God's presence is. The first thing that happens after Adam, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. But after, after the sin of mankind, it seemed like God, man was separated from the Lord. But in the book of Exodus, after they come out of captivity, God speaks to Moses and he said, Moses, have the people build me a dwelling place. Have them build me a sanctuary that I can come and I can dwell among the people. See, the temple and the tree, that was the tabernacle. But when David came along, David was building a place for the presence of God. Hang on, I'm not really talking about an earthly tabernacle as we would know it out of stones and out of brick and mortar. I'm just giving you a history so that you'll understand that temple was torn down. It was a place of God's presence. Here's the second thing that it represented. It, re it represented the place of forgiveness where men could come and find redemption because it was at the tabernacle where they would come yearly and they would offer the sacrifices where the high priest would enter in and the sacrifice for Israel would be made once a year by the shedding of, of, of blood of the bulls and goats so that, so that Israel, so that the people of God would be free from their sin. So it spoke of a place of forgiveness. Here's the third thing that it represented. It represented the place of blessing. Because at that place, if I can find forgiveness, then it set my course that my future now is blessed. That the promises of God, the covenant of God it is upon my life. But I'm here to let you know. He said, get back to building. What has that got to do with us? It's an Old Testament principle. Because now remember, they've come out of exile. The, ba the, the Babylonian culture came and they literally destroyed the temple. And God allowed a group of people to come back and build. Notice something. It wasn't something that was totally off the mark and had never been seen before. So many times, church, we're looking for so many things new that we are stumbling over the very things that God has established. And we wonder why we are never, ever being fulfilled. Hello. Because I'm always in the search of something new instead of something that's already been. That God said I haven't changed my mind. I found out, especially for me in the last few years, y'all know that we're going to celebrate coming up in a few weeks. We're going to celebrate 25 years. It's hard to imagine. I was sitting with somebody yesterday. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm excited about it, whether y'all are or not. Because I know I didn't come here for a job. But more in the last couple of years, God has revealed this to me more and more and more. When he shifted us out of Paducah to bring us to Cape Girardeau, it wasn't to start something new. You and I need to understand that when he says something like this, behold, I do a new thing. It's not new to God. It's just new to us. It's just God revealing maybe where we are at the moment. We've just passed over it. But there was something already established by God through a previous administration. Through some of the people that are even in this room that labored and sacrificed and felt the call of God. And they said, Lord, I will follow you. And they come and they begin to build and they begin to do and they begin to act as God had given them at that time. Things somehow happen. You know, not every shift and every change is always pleasant. It isn't. 
And sometimes we feel that one failed, this one failed, you guys were wrong, they were wrong. And we get all caught up in our flesh and the reality is we miss everything. Because God wasn't up to changing anything. He just changed to fulfill something. And I've come to realize this, that I've been on a journey that God started before the foundation of the earth. Come on, this just didn't happen in the last 25, 30, 40, 50 years. But before the earth was ever formed, God had us all in his mind and in his plan. Pastor Val, you and Miss Sherry, you're not finished yet. God knew that you would be sitting with me. God knew that you would be in this house overseeing us. It didn't happen 10, 15 years ago. It happened before the foundation of the earth. So this plan of God has always been, but it always seems to look different. And I've come to realize that, that this thing can look totally different. That's why God keeps asking the question, do you trust me? Do you trust what I'm doing? He said to Jeremiah, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet. And I caused you to rise up. You're going to tear some things down. You're going to pluck some things up. But then you're going to turn and you're going to restore and you're going to build back. You have to understand something in the plan of God. God hasn't lost anything. God hasn't lost one thing. He's still leading He's still guiding. He just wants some people that will follow him and totally put their confidence and trust. So he speaks to Zechariah and he speaks to Haggai and he says, go back and stir this people. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel means this. He was born in captivity. So his name means the seed of Babylon or out of Babylon. But he's been given the responsibility as the governor of Judah. He's been given the oversight to oversee this great building project that is going on. I really believe, if like you could stretch your minds with me for a moment, I believe he's a representation of Christ. That Jesus would come to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's an Old Testament, it's an Old Testament shadow of a New Testament plan that God was bringing. And yet God saying, I want my temple built. But the temple that God is working with now is not a temple made of, of sticks and stones, brick and mortar. But it's made of human flesh. And I'm looking at the temple of God. Every one of you in this place are that temple. Paul said, don't you know? that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what is God saying? Don't neglect your temple. Don't neglect my temple. Because the temple still represents the same thing. It represents the presence of God. It represents grace and forgiveness and mercy. And it still represents blessing because every one of us in this room we carry that. We carry that everywhere we go. So Zechariah trying to, to, fit, to follow the Lord. He has a series of visions. He has a series of dreams. And one of those dreams was found here in chapter 4. And he said, I see this lampstand. I see this lampstand. And he said, on the top of it is a bowl. And then it's got these candlesticks that are out here. 
But then he said on each side of it is an olive tree or it's a tree, he said. On each side of it, there is a tree. And he said, to, it's an olive tree. And God asked him, he said, do you understand what you're seeing? Zechariah, do you know what's going on? Do you understand this? And Zechariah had to be honest and said, no, I don't, Lord. I don't understand this. And God speaks to him so strong and so straight. And he says this, it's not about your power. And it's not about your might. It's not about your intellect. It's not about your thoughts. But it's about my spirit, says the Lord. Those two olive trees on each side represent the Holy Spirit. It represents the oil of God that will flow. That will cause us to be a light in the midst of a deep, dark world that has seemingly got darker than ever. I believe there's a verse that says something like this in Isaiah. He said, arise and shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. A darkness is going to cover the earth and a gross darkness upon my people. But right in the midst of that gross darkness, I don't know about you, I don't know how much gross darkness there could be other than what's there. When a man can't, de can't determine if he's a male or female. When the scholars of our colleges and universities are now teaching us that there are 150 genders in the world. When we don't know how to display whether we're men and women. I don't know how to address you as a sir or a madam. We don't have any of that when men don't look like men anymore. Women don't look like women anymore. How much darker could it get? But in the midst of that, God says, watch what I'm going to do. Because I'm going to reveal myself in this moment like you've never seen me. He said, it's going to happen. He said, it's going to happen. But the people are struggling. The people are struggling in the moment. Let me tell you what they're struggling with. They're struggling with a number of things. First of all, they've come out of captivity. Their motivation has been hit. Over the last few years, the motivation of many has been rocked and reeled. I still hear people so full of fear, so full of unbelief, afraid to go anywhere because of COVID now, because of the flu, because of all these things. It's rocked the body. Listen, I know it was deadly. I know it had an impact. But it's still not greater than our God. Still not greater than our God. But the people are, the people are messed up. The people are feeling inadequate. The people are feeling like they're in despair. They've got mindsets that have been messed with now. They're struggling with their own needs. They came back. Everything that once they owned has now been torn down. Many of them are. They're, they're in famine. Many of them are hungry. They don't have adequate, or at least they don't think they do, uh, to have it. And not only that, they've got outside opposition constantly pressing on them. Haggai speaks something like this when he's dealing with them. They started back. Remember, Zerubbabel's job was to lay the foundation. And it was the people's job to build upon the foundation. No other foundation. Listen. No other foundation, no, everybody say this with me. No other foundation can be laid except Jesus. Nothing, nothing, 
no other foundation other than Jesus. But the people are messed up because of all those things. But here's one of the things they're messed up with. Matter of fact, you could flip back to Haggai just for a moment. Verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 3. I didn't give this to you, Mindy, if you want to throw it up. He said, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? These are great questions. These are great questions for us to, to hear. He said, who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? How do you see it now? And in comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? You know, one of the things for even us that have been in this all my life, it's all I've ever known. My mom, my parents go back, I go back with my family here so long that my mom and dad told me they remembered when you guys got engaged. That's only been a couple of years ago because my, my father-in-law here, when is your birthday? 20th of November, I think he's going to turn a, a, a young 90 years of age. Wow. And I want you to think about our history. Family was founders of our church, Pentecostals to the bone. I mean, this is all we've ever known. I've never known anything outside of that. I didn't know any of the other denominations or, or followed any. We were Pentecostal and we really believed like this. If you weren't a part of our church, it was never said. But the reality was, if you weren't a part of us, you're not making heaven. You'd be surprised how many Pentecostals still feel that way. You're not going to make heaven unless you do what I do and how I do it. Oh, it's still an issue. So these people growing up, we grew up, we believed in the power of God. I still believe in the power of God. But I'm telling you, it's different now than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, remember the days when revivals, we used to have them two or three times a year. Our pastor would always establish them. It wasn't a weekend. It wasn't a Sunday morning prophet come by. It was always a two-week scheduled revival. Me and Diane were married August the 20th of what, 76, right? I got it right. That's 46 years ago, right? We got married on Friday night, and we're in revival on Sunday night for the next two weeks. I could tell none of y'all ever did that. But that's the truth. That's how we lived. And I remember those services of what God was doing. And then I remember when God began to lead us and began to transition us. At the moment, it felt painful. At the moment, it didn't look. I know people questioned us. Uh, when I left my home church, when I left those roots, which I'm thankful for the foundation that I had under me. But it looked totally different. I remember when we went to the first meeting and I heard somebody doing the so-called worship music. Not hymns, but they were doing the so-called worship music. And I remember 
I, I remember I took a group to, with me to a friend's church and we had a whole roll. We had a whole roll of people. I got to land this jet quickly. We had a whole roll of people sitting there. And Brother Baggett introduces this family and he says, I want you to take over. And there was this guy, I never will forget him, sitting right in front of us. His hair was long. He had a, he had a plaid shirt on like my friend over there sitting in front. I didn't know what he looked like. And so the pastor, Baggett, Jim Baggett, one of my guys that helped me years ago, he turned the service over to them. And man, they started singing off the wall like we had never heard. They had a keyboard. They had drums. They had a guitar and a different beat and a different rhythm. And I looked down the row of all the people that were with me. And this is how we, we were all sucking air because we had never encountered this. And then all of a sudden, that guy starts dancing. Me and my brother-in-law were the two best shouters in full gospel tabernacle. I'm not talking, I'm not talking charismatic hip-hop. You know, you know, like we used to do. I can't do it no more. Too heavy. I remember Pastor, Pastor Whitstone had gone to Israel. He had brought back this beautiful... Bible stand to set a big Bible on. He had it right in front of the podium. And man, it was one of those shouting services that night. And I don't know if it was my foot or his foot, but one of these feet went right down and smashed that beautiful thing that pastor brought back from Israel. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? But then when that brother started dancing, he spun around. And we saw him in his face. And I could swear to you it was the face of an angel. A glow about this brother I had never seen. And now I'm looking down the aisle at my people instead of us sucking air. Tears are flowing down our face because we're encountering God in a measure that we had never, ever encountered before. It put us on a journey that we begin to pursue. I begin to make relationship. We begin to find new depths of teaching. We begin to have an understanding of church, of the kingdom. We begin to hear things that even times I had people coming against us because we had never done it that way before. Time passed. That was back there. I looked and I saw all of those things happening. We went through this season for the prophetic. Man, when people like Kim Clement came on the scene, he was in our church numbers of time. I remember a Sunday morning, my mother-in-law was our pianist. At that time, Kim was our special guest. Me and Diane and a couple others were leading worship. And we're doing that song. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto. And man, mother-in-law is rocking it. But then all of a sudden, I think she must have had high test level fuel that morning. Because it was like it went into another gear. I didn't realize that when I looked over, mother-in-law had moved off the piano and Prophet Kim had slipped on the piano and it wasn't that she wasn't good, but the anointing upon him took us to another dimension that we couldn't get there. 
We had that over and over and over. We went through the season of the prophets. We went through the seasons of the different ministries. And how many knows that life is full of seasons? I, I, I got to hurry, got to hurry, got to hurry. So the, I am trying. So the people... <laughs> but then we've entered a whole new era. And we're in a new time. And we're still having some of the same battles and struggles. And this one says this is it. And this one says this is it. And this one says this is it. And somewhere we got to find out what we believe God is saying. And do we trust him? Brothers and sisters, I want you to know something. God is doing amazing things all over the earth. Me and Pastor Chad was in a meeting in Dallas, Texas on Wednesday and Thursday. And in that meeting, there were 100 pastors and executive pastors and leadership in the room. And we're sitting there at a table. We don't know but one person there. And a man, I've got my back to, I'm facing the podium getting ready. They had us there early getting ready for the morning session. And this brother comes and he pats me on the back and he said, oh man, I love your shirt. I thought it was a nice shirt too. And he's just going on about my shirt. And I said, cool, man. I, I stood up, introduced myself. And this old gentleman, white-haired man, told me who he was. He's a minister in Pakistan. He leads a dream center right in the heart of Pakistan. He's almost, I think he said 75, something like that, years of age. He's been doing it for years and he goes into Pakistan among the Muslim people. I said, man, how big is your ministry? He said, we, we gather 18,000 people every week. 18,000. And he said, I've got secret service from the, you, you know, they're always watching me. They're always trying to catch me. They're always trying to, he said, I can't go anywhere that I don't have secret police following me. Trying to catch me. But he said, because of the change that they're seeing in the people as we minister the word of God. I said, how did you get into Pakistan? Did you tell him you were a pastor? He said, no. He told him, I'm a spiritual heart surgeon. <laughs> and he goes in and he preaches Jesus to these people. And these people's lives are being changed. And now the secret police that are there really to catch him and throw him out of the country. They won't touch him because they cannot deny what God is doing among their people. But even crazier than that, said, we don't hear stuff like this in our country. He said, we're rescuing young boys out of trafficking. He didn't say young girls. He said young boys. He said, they take these kids, young teenagers, they, they kidnap them. And they take them and make slaves out of them. And they work them in the mines. He said, we've managed secretly to put people together because of the change of life that they're going through that works in those minds. He said, now they go in and strategically God gives us a plan that we can rescue a number of those boys out of those minds that have been held captive by the enemy. You think the story's rough? He said, some of those kids have not seen the light of day for years. Because they will not let them come up. 
And yet God has found a way. Maybe took a white man, big, big guy, white-haired guy. God has to send that guy into a foreign country. Put his anointing on him. Put a word in him that would soul stir the people. Let me tell you about the church I was in on Wednesday and Thursday. Pentecostal church at that. Spirit-filled. Believes in the power of God. This morning, this morning, they'll do three services. But yesterday, they done three services. And each one of those services are filled with five and 6,000 people. That's 30,000 people being impacted this weekend in one place in a Pentecostal church. That's not counting. That's not counting the multiple services. And that's not counting the 10 campuses that they're dealing with. You say, Pastor, God's not into numbers. The reality is, how can we even measure what God is doing if we don't see the harvest somehow? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is a Pentecostal church. And here's the testimony. When CEOs of companies, when major executives are saying, I want to leave my company. I want to sell my business. I'm going to come and work for the kingdom of God because of what God is doing in the lives of people is far greater than what I could ever do in my business. I don't think they're going to run and shout this morning. I'm not putting it past them. But I don't think that's how it's going to work. It won't look like us. It won't look like what we have known. See, he said to the people, he said, have you not considered? He said, have you? He said, in comparison, he said, who among you has saw the temple in his former glory? See, some of us in this room, we've experienced enough. And I'm the same way. God showed up this morning because we hit this prophetic moment. God showed up this morning because we laid hands on the sick. God showed up this morning because we ran the aisle. God showed up this morning in this thing that we can even call freedom. But when we don't feel that. Hello. When I don't feel that, I don't see it well. I ask people, how was service Sunday? You know why? Because I was looking in comparison to something I've already been in. And I'm measuring what God is doing today by yesterday's move. And if I'm not careful, I'll miss the opportunity that is right in front of me. That God wants to do something even greater. Because God went on to say to his people as the worship team has taken its place. That God said to the children of Israel. He said the glory of the latter house will be far greater than the glory of the former. How is that going to be? I talk about miracles all the time. I believe in them. I share these testimonies with you because I want you to know that God is moving. And that is only a couple places. I can tell you about the Baptist brother that's got a 3,000 seat auditorium northeast of, of, of Nashville and Mount Joliet, Tennessee. That's doing an ever Sunday night mass deliverance service that at one time two years ago didn't believe in it. But now believes in it and people are coming from all over the nation. 
to come into his meeting to be healed or to be set free. I could tell you about the church in Georgia, and I know I have, that they started, one brother said, the Lord said, baptize. So they started baptizing, and when people got into the water, they were being healed, and they were set free. Now a big part of their services, across the front, they've got pools set up, and everybody that comes in that wants to be baptized will be baptized again. That's just one move. Let's talk about Mario Morello and his tent. Sean Foyt and what God is using him to do. Listen, if you and I put everything into one basket, we're going to miss a whole lot because God is too big. God is too great and God is too creative. And the way that I know that is, look around. There ain't a one of us in this room that look alike except our families. And even us, we're not dressed alike. Our hair is not alike. We're all different. So he says, speak to him, Zechariah. Speak to him. Declare this to him. Do you not understand what this is? He said, I'm going to make you a light. But the only thing that's going to cause that light to burn is that you've got to be connected to the trees that are on either side. The work of the Holy Spirit. Oh. Uh, let me, are you okay? Don't get nervous. I'm about done. It's that clock's fault. Listen, God speaks to Haggai. I want you to listen to this. You've heard this before. He said this. This is chapter 2, verse 20. You can put it on the screen, Miss Mindy. Let them see it. Let's go to verse 20 if you don't mind. And I want you to follow along. Listen to what he said. And the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah. Say, I will shake heaven and earth. And I will overthrow kingdoms. And I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. And I will overthrow the chariots. And those who ride in them, their horses and their riders shall come down. Every one by the sword of his brother. And that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheathiel. And says the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you says the Lord. When you read that, God says he's talking about a move that's literally going to shake the heavens and the earth. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He said, I'm going to overthrow those powers of darkness. The Gentiles represent in, that, in this passage, it represents those that are evil. And it represents the world. He said, I'm going to overthrow their chariots. I'm going to overthrow everybody riding on them. He said, I'm going to take them out. But he said, I'm making you like my signet ring. What did that speak of, signet ring? I'm making you as my signet ring. The signet ring, it's a message within itself. A teaching within a teaching. Too big to get into. But this is basically what it declares. He said, I will give you authority. I will give you honor. I'm placing my ownership upon you. And I'm going to declare your identity. But he says, wait. 
got to read the next chapter. Read in. He said, Zechariah, this isn't going to be by your strength. Church, every one of us got our eyes upon a political system right now. What we've got to have, we've got to have that big red wave hit our nation again. I don't believe we need to sit back and do nothing. But I can't put all the eggs, as they once said, all the eggs in one basket and believe that whoever gets into office, whether they be Republican or Democrat, whoever is going to change this nation and change the world because God never intended it to be upon the systems of this world. But there was one thing that God said, I'm going to use. I'm raising up my church and I'm going to use my church in this hour. I have made them a kingdom, a priest and kings unto me and I've called them to rule in the earth and I'm going to work through them and I'm going to show the earth my glory through my church but he didn't say a service he said I'm going to do it through my church because we're all still running for services let's go have another service let's go have another meeting Let's just bring somebody in. If we just get, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Eddie James being here on Thursday night. But I'm here to let you know he is not a savior. He is not an angel. He's a man of God that is passionate about the thing. But if we're going to have a great night Thursday night, it won't be because of Eddie James. It will be by the expectation of every person that walks in the room that comes in to say, God, I want you. I've come to hear you, not necessarily Eddie James. She so says, speak to the people. God asked me a question. Do you trust me? Do you trust me in this hour? Do you trust me? Church, I'm asking you, do you trust him? I know what we've done. I, I know where we've been. I know what I like. I got to close with this. I, that's my fifth one. Closing, that is. I've got grace. I remember years ago, I, I promise you this is it. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. I remember years ago when I pastored in Paducah, it was lunch. And everybody knows I love lunch. I'm going to lunch and we're on a thoroughfare where all the restaurants were up down the road from my church. And the Lord said, watch. So I'm looking. It's lunchtime. Every restaurant was full. Every parking lot. People were going in. From Taco John's to Italian to the Chinese buffet to the steakhouse. Everything was imaginable. Is on that road. And they were all being filled at lunchtime. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, why are they going there? And I had a brilliant answer. I said, I guess because they're hungry. And the Lord said, no. He said, they're not there because they're hungry. He said, they're there because of their preference. And the Lord took me back when I was just a kid my mom and dad's house my brother was in the Navy in Long Beach, California and we're driving to go see and we stop in Denver, Colorado and that night we're eating at Jerry's restaurant, I don't know why I remember this we're eating at Jerry's restaurant downtown Denver big plate glass window, Larry across the front you could see in the whole restaurant 
There's a table of four set at the door. The cashier was over there. The place was full. I remember we were standing out of the door waiting for people to come out. A table empty so we could go eat. And the table here at the door. They were so busy the little waitress didn't have time, Kelsey, to clear the table. And so they get up to go pay. And as soon as they go to the cash register, a young lady, young teenage girl, runs in the door. I never will forget it. Sits down at the table. And she begins to scarf everything left on the table. She scarfed the gristle of the, uh, uh, of the steak. She scarfed the bad-looking salad that was left. She drank their tea. She didn't care. She used their fork. It didn't matter what fork, whose mouth it went in. It didn't matter how much backwash was in the tea. It didn't matter. She was hungry. She scarfed everything she could. And run right back out the door. The Lord reminded me of that little story. He said, she's hungry. In a few moments, I'm going to take all these guys to lunch. And we've got a masterpiece of a question that we need Holy Ghost to answer. And it's simply this. Where are we going to go? If you ask Sam, nope, don't like it. You ask JC, nope, don't want to go there. Nor and Lucy are pretty good about eating most stuff, I think. They'll probably want to go to McDonald's. Right, Nora? Yeah, she shook her head. Memo, Peppa, they could care less. No. <laughs> but the rest of us, where are we going to go? I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry. But I'm going to fight. We're going to have this big debate. Am I the only one needs Holy Ghost direction this afternoon? But can I say we're really that same way with the Lord? God is moving. God is doing something. He said, this isn't by your might. Not by your ability. Not by your intellect. Not by your wisdom. Not by your thinking. He said, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by what we think's got to happen out here. I've often said this, well, this. Until we get here, you don't know who God is. God just says, I need a group of people that will just trust me. That will drink of my spirit and be a light everywhere you go.